0: Good to go. Thank you very much. Thank you uh, very much. Uh, Thank you, Minister Nixon, for for being here today. Thank you, Earl and Jen, as well. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Thank you for coming to this important announcement with our partners at Oxford House Foundation. And thank you, of course, Earl, for hosting us today at the Red Woman Indigenous Women's Healing Home. Uh, If you take a look around, you'll see that we're in a family home, a pretty typical Calgary neighborhood. We're here today because this is where recovery happens. It's not just in hospitals and clinics, Uh, it takes place right here in our communities. We've come here to announce $1.8 million over three years for 240 new publicly funded pre treatment spaces in Calgary. These spaces will be in houses much like this, uh, helping up to 240 Albertans in their pursuit of recovery every single year. And like all publicly funded detox treatment and recovery spaces, these will be free for Albertans with no user fees. Uh, We're proud to be partnering with Oxford House, a trusted treatment provider in Calgary and other parts of the province. Oxford House has helped countless Albertans recover from addiction and regain their lives. Uh, They're also a pioneer when it comes to pre-treatment programs. And for many people pursuing recovery from addiction, pre-treatment support will be critical and will be a critical part of their recovery. It's also part of the continuum, continuum of services offered under Alberta's comprehensive recovery-oriented system of care, a system that saves lives while supporting long-term recovery. To understand why pretreatment is so important, uh, imagine you're someone with a history of drug or alcohol addiction. You've made the monumental, life-changing decision to begin your recovery. You've detoxed and stopped using, but you need some help with the next step. This is where pretreatment comes in. Uh, The time right after detox and before entering treatment is one of the most vulnerable times in someone's recovery. That's why Oxford House pre-treatment program is so important. It helps people develop skills to prevent relapse while they get ready for treatment. A more senior resident is also there to help individuals understand their treatment options and navigate the system so that they can make the best individual decisions for their own pursuit of recovery. This new funding will have a life-changing impact on Albertans seeking recovery from addiction. In fact, it's already making a difference. Uh, The pre-treatment spaces at at Oxford House opened earlier this month. Just a few weeks later, they are nearly full. That means more people pursuing recovery are getting the support that they need right now. Our government believes that any Albertan who is pursuing recovery gets the opportunity to pursue the recovery that they need. The people who walk through the doors of an Oxford House recovery home will get that chance to recover. With this funding, they'll leave here with the skills, strength and support to enter treatment and continue their pursuit of recovery and join the thousands of other Albertans who are living proof that recovery works. Thank you, and now I would like to invite Earl Thiessen, the Executive Director of Oxford House Foundation, to speak to their programming. Earl.
1: Wow. Thank you, Minister Milliken, and thank you to the government of Alberta for all you do for people like me, a person in long-term recovery. I must say, an announcement like this shows the vital work being accomplished by the mental health and addiction sector in Alberta, and it compounds the advanced work being done with Alberta's recovery-oriented system of care. It coincides with announcements like the recovery communities being opened across the province. I'm Earl Thiessen, Executive Director of the Oxford Health Foundation, developer of our pre-treatment and recovery housing model, formerly Formerly homeless for seven years, addicted for 20, and proudly in long-term recovery for 15 years. This announcement and this level of government support is what Alberta's recovery model is all about. Providing solutions for those seeking a life of recovery. Filling vital pieces of the continuum of care and providing hope for those wanting recovery. This funding will open the door for 20 pre-treatment beds for men and women in our province. Which translates annually to roughly 240 spaces for people on wait lists for residential treatment. 240 people that would otherwise be left without supports after making the tough decision to put themselves through detox and await treatment. I believe this is the first licensed pre-treatment recovery housing program, not attached to a treatment center, not only in Alberta but Canada. This service will be provided at no cost to clients thanks to this vital support from our government. What an honour. I can't express the level of gratitude I have because I know as a person in recovery how vital this service has and will be for my brothers and sisters seeking recovery. Again, I'd like to thank Minister Milliken, Minister Nixon, and the government of Alberta. I'd like to welcome Jennifer up to the podium for her words.
2: Thank you, Earl. Hello and good morning. I want to say thank you for the opportunity to come here and share today. I'm a recovery support worker with Oxford House Foundation and also an alumni of the Oxford House Program. In 2019, I attended an inpatient treatment program for substance abuse. I knew I had a problem and I knew I needed help. After the completion of treatment that I attended, I was fortunate enough to move into an Oxford house. I wasn't sure what to expect and I was scared. I didn't realize that I would be moving into a regular house, a home in a regular neighborhood. While in that home, I became really close friends with a woman who also lived there. Today, I call her my sister. We supported and relied on one another in many ways during that critical time in our early recovery, reentering society alcohol and drug-free. The Oxford House staff were amazing. I didn't know how long I would stay in sober living. And at that point in my journey, I still felt a lot of shame for being where I was in life. I remember our housing manager, Jaron Isaac, sharing that he lived in an Oxford house for two years. When he told me that, I decided that instead of maybe two or three months, I was also going to live in an Oxford house for two years, while building a stronger foundation in my recovery. I looked up to Jaron, and having support from someone who lived with lived experience in recovery helped me to be more comfortable with myself. I ended up calling Oxford House my home for over two years. A large part of why I extended my stay is that after being with Oxford House for a while, I was given the opportunity to take the position of house lead at the women's pre-treatment home. Through fully accepting that role, I found a greater purpose and meaning in my own life. Part of being house lead involved leading by example while living with up to four women who were waiting to get into treatment for addiction. I was able to share my experiences, and in doing so, helped others become more accepting of themselves. Within the home, we decorated, had group dinners, attended recovery meetings, gazed at the stars, laughed, cried, and became a part of each other. I saw confidence in community grow rapidly, including my own. I feel deeply grateful to have been part of such an amazing program, a program which began as a vision of Earl Heason, our executive director. Whether coming out of treatment or detox, I believe it's imperative to have a safe, supportive, and sober environment in order to promote success in abstinence-based recovery. The Oxford House program offers this. I am elated today as our government has stepped in to break barriers and crush obstacles in order to make pretreatment housing available too and for more individuals than ever. At Oxford House, with government support, not only have we doubled the number of pretreatment beds available, we have been able to incorporate additional supports within our pretreatment homes as well. Coming into abstinence-based recovery, our residents will no longer experience the extra stress and hardship of financial barriers, which I've witnessed so many times. Pre-treatment housing will now be accessible to individuals who likely would have fallen through the cracks within the system before. Some highlights of my experience while within the pretreatment treatment home involve witnessing women bring joy into their lives through acts such as baking banana bread, dancing in the kitchen, connecting with roommates, playing games, making and accomplishing goals, developing and building spiritual connection, learning healthier ways to cope, and accomplishing things which were really hard for them to do, and feeling empowered in doing so. I would not be where I am today without the lessons I lived while living in an Oxford house, lessons which came from every individual whose path intersected mine. I would like to extend a special thank you to Oxford House, Minister Milliken, Minister Nixon, and also the government of Alberta for providing much-needed services and making recovery more accessible to countless individuals. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Jen. Thank you very much, Earl. Now I'd like to call the local MLA, Minister Nixon, to please come and say a few words.
3: Um, Wow. Thank you, Jen, for for sharing your story and and Earl for for your leadership. Thank you, Minister Milliken, for uh, all of your leadership on this uh, file as well. And uh, It's hard not to get emotional uh, when we think about the impact uh, that these funds and, and amazing programs like Oxford House and amazing leadership like what Jen provides. Uh, is going to have for so many people who are are dealing with addictions within our community. Um, My my work with the mustard seed, this was a big part of it. And uh, we often had folks that were struggling with with addiction issues. And probably one of the most devastating things that that I witnessed during the time when I worked uh, front lines uh, was when somebody who was struggling with addiction reached out to ask for help and the support wasn't available for them. Because you saw in their face As hope was lost and you didn't know when that next moment was going to be when they would reach out and ask for help. Uh, How critical it is for us as a community to make sure that those resources and supports are available because most people struggling with addiction, they want help. They're going to ask for help, and we need to make sure that we're there for them. And the expectation should never be that they have to do it alone. We're meant to do this as a community. We're meant to do this together. So, again, thank you for all the leadership on this file. You know, I was thinking about one of the the stories, uh, one of the men that I worked with during my time in the mustard seed named uh, James. And uh, James stayed with us on and off. He would miss... Um, a few days, we would miss him for sometimes days, weeks, even months. And you never—you would always wonder whether or not you're going to see him again. And uh, one time he showed up at the program after an absence and uh, he said, "Uh, Jeremy, I need help and uh, I I need to deal with my addiction issues. Uh, So we got him a bus ticket and the next morning he made his way down to the detox center. And uh, he lined up early in the morning in the freezing cold. uh, But he didn't have a a bed, there wasn't room for him. And uh, he walked back to the seed. Uh, because I didn't give him two bus tickets, and uh, he cried the whole way. And when he got back, we wrapped around him. We got him up into our step-up housing program, and we, we just we wrapped around him and made sure that we could get him into detox. And eventually, we got him into detox. Uh, but when he got out of detox, there was no treatment space for him. And so we ended up back at the seat. Uh, You know, right there, a floor above, everybody he used to uh, engage in his addiction with. And uh, it was very difficult. But we started his recovery journey with him there. And uh, we wrapped around him. Now, he eventually relapsed. And uh, I remember one night, uh, normally he was in on time, but he didn't show up. And uh, at about 11.30, uh, we got a ring on the door. And there he was. And you could tell something was significantly wrong. And I went down. And he was under the influence. And we just sat on the front step. I don't know how long. Um, normally at the time, our program didn't allow for us to bring people who were intoxicated into the program, but I knew in that moment, if I'd let him go, I'd probably never see him again. And so I went upstairs, I made a special space for him away from the other guys. And uh, brought him up there, got him settled, and sat. He asked to read some scripture. We did that together. And uh, and uh, then he went to sleep. And the next day, uh, we woke up and we continued his recovery journey. We eventually got him into treatment. And he got came from treatment to our transitional housing program and, and got work and got reconnected with family. And uh, so I tell you this story just again to emphasize how critical it is that we are working to fill in the gaps between making that decision of recovery and detox, detox, and transitional housing, transitional housing, and living a life of recovery in our community, and how critical it is that we're able to partner with folks like Earl Thiessen and Jen uh, and their lived experience. Uh, so thank you again uh, to everybody for the leadership on this, and uh, thank you uh, to all those uh, in our community that, that are out there and trying to make a difference. And for those who are struggling with addiction, there is hope, recovery is possible, and I just encourage you to come and ask for help. Thank you.
1: All right. Uh, While well Minister Milliken walks up, um, we do have a couple reporters on the line as well. So I'm going to ask that we limit questions from the floor to one question, one follow up. Same thing on the line. Um, so your colleagues on the line can actually hear. There is a microphone behind all of you. I know space is a little tight, but if you could try to use the microphone when you're asking the ministers a question, that'd be great. Uh, so whoever's first can go. I can't see the microphone. So
0: it's back here.
1: <laughs> Whoever wants to go first can go. Yeah, you can rotate
0: it. And perhaps if you could uh, uh, say your name and outlet as well, yeah. please. Uh, Aaron Toombs with LiveWire Calgary. Just uh, wondering how this announcement today fits into the Cabinet Task Force on Public Safety and Community Response. Well, I mean, that task force is about implementation right? Uh, it's about making sure that the uh, services that we have that can be implemented in a quick way to make real impactful change are there. I would say that this overlaps very much so uh, with that task force. In fact, there are a couple members from that task force here uh, who uh, ended up having a conversation uh, yesterday regarding the need for just this type of uh, of service. And then uh, right then and there, we were like, well, you have to come to this, uh, to this announcement uh, to see the great work that EARL, and Oxford House is doing. So I think the the two align very, very well. Uh, In terms of uh, future announcements, uh, 240 beds, obviously, per year. Can we expect to see more announcements in this nature coming forward? I really hope so. And then on that note, too, as we build out the recovery-oriented system of care here in Alberta, the Alberta model, uh, just to name a few of the the aspects of that, whether it's the 8,000 treatment spaces that we've put together, uh, getting rid of user fees, things of that nature, as people enter into recovery, then what will inevitably happen is that there will be less pressure on other services, and if there's less less pressure on other services, then there's more opportunities for people to use serv- the, the rest of the services throughout the whole continuum of care.
2: Uh, Lana Smith, Globe and Mail. Uh, I'm just wondering. So, since the UCP took power, there's been you know hundreds and hundreds of pretreatment treatment or treatment beds announced. Is there any way that you're tracking how many of these are being used so far, or can you give us some sort of update on how many of those spaces are being used?
0: I'll get. I'll make sure that my office gets back to you with regards to exact numbers. I wouldn't want to to say something that wasn't correct. That said, um, there's always gaps in the sense that once somebody has left a program, then you know people will reach out to treatment to to, to lists in order to make sure that they can fill it as quickly as possible. We have such great. Providers though service providers who are working whether that's from H S to nonprofits uh, who are really working to ensure that those who really need to get into treatment as soon as possible get that opportunity. As stated, uh, the Alberta government believes that anybody who is pursuing recovery should get that opportunity.
2: Maybe you can give us a little bit more detail just how you're tracking, I guess, the success of announcing these programs and and how you're making sure that they're being sure
0: data has been uh, one of the things that uh, unf- that i would say has been lacking through uh, previous governments um, so what we've done is we've made sure that our government is being the most transparent with regards to uh, data surrounding mental health and addiction issues whether that's aces which is online you can find data with regards to um, uh, experiences of overdose and all kinds of things like that but also we're building out the my recovery plan which is an online uh, system that will do just exactly that and as we build out the recovery oriented system of care and as people traverse through the holistic system of the recovery system then we'll be able to follow that and produce the outcomes which will also then uh, inform our decisions going forward as to how best to use the resources that we have at our disposal thanks um just for those on the line uh,
1: just a reminder hit star one if you'd like to queue in And are there any other questions
0: from the floor? No, I believe.
1: All right. Well, we have no one queued in on the the line, so that'll conclude the press conference. Thanks, everyone, for coming out.
0: Thank you very much for coming. This is an exciting story, an exciting uh, announcement. And I uh, I just want to thank Earl for all the work that you've been doing for us. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.